All right, everybody. So this is going to be a separate episode that we're going to be covering week to week. The new Dexter, new blood, right? Dexter, new blood. Is that what it's called? Song? Yep. Not first blood. That's a uh, Rambo. But um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is, of course, a continuation of Dexter from its eight series run uh, back on Showtime, back on Showtime again. And uh, this episode is called A Beautiful Day. I don't think we have to break down this title too much, do we? <laughs> no, I don't think so. So when we open up, we open up, there's a lot of needle drops in this episode. I didn't write all of them down, but we do open up with Iggy Pop singing Passenger. I am, a mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which of course references his dark passenger. Exactly. So on the nose, the show is so subtle with all its references. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, the first thing I want to call, talk to you about before um, anything else is, what'd you think about the title sequence? Oh, we, think we, we get this new uh. title sequence, which seems to be like a flash forward of only this one episode. So I assume this will happen every episode. What do you think of this? I was too busy being disappointed that I wasn't seeing something <laughs> like the original title sequence, which I think is one of the most brilliant title sequences of all time. I really love that. Him making breakfast and all of the references to things that were not breakfast foods so (laughs) i was hoping for something else like that you're right and this is very disappointing for me also i agree and not only that we don't get this like we get these like quick cuts no music no dexter theme music and i knew even from seeing it because the scenes were so relatively mundane that these were just scenes from the current episode we literally see and and i actually rewound it just so i could take notes really quickly but we see like a box of pastries he buys pastries Mm -hmm. a box of pastries he buys pastries in the episode and then we see some blood on the snow which we see later in the episode and then we see him dancing in a bar which we see him happens in the episode and then we just see hands this is the only indication that there might be well maybe the blood drops as well but then we see also like someone's wrists like being taught on a rope which of course he will minor mm-hmm. spoilers everybody he ends up killing somebody <laughs> this episode what a surprise but um anyway so we just have these little flashes to the current episode so i'm like is this going to be what they're going to do they're going to just yeah. like, give us little snippets of the current episode this is not a good <laughs> title sequence i gotta tell you i agree yeah and then we get into iggy pop the passenger of course mentioning dark uh yes. dexter's dark passenger which what he calls this you know uh urge he has to kill in his mind but we also noticed something interesting that he has been stalking this white stag, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, for a long time, but he won't kill it. He won't even kill an animal, much right. less uh, a person, supposedly. All right. So here's my first question for you. I I did not rewatch the last season of Dexter. I refused to do that. But no, I, did, I, did <laughs> I did read some recaps. Okay. And, um, and it refreshed my memory. And uh, basically, Dr. Vogel, I think was her name. She had been there at the beginning. And uh, she reveals right before she gets murdered at the end of that season, mm-hmm. that basically Dexter wasn't a psychopath, that he didn't have to be a killer. And that this was like devastating to him. He goes like, oh, you mean that's all this time I didn't have to be a killer? And so now supposedly he's cured because apparently, even though you have this urge inside to murder, that when someone tells you, well, you know what? You don't have to have that urge if you don't want to. And he's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really? I don't think that's okay. how psychology works. But I actually remember none of that. <laughs> However, I think it's clear to anyone who watched the show, Harry was, it didn't have to be this way, Harry, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Oh, absolutely. That's for sure. Like when you see that your small child has these unhealthy urges, the route that you take does not have to be 
let me show you how to kill things in a way that is not going to um, keep you from functioning in normal society. <laughs> like, like, you know, there are other routes. And so uh, to me, this was always uh, a monster that Harry created that did not have to be. I agree. You know, once again, this is just like kind of the disastrous writing of that show beyond the fourth or fifth season where you're basically saying, so he's not a sociopath after all. And it's, I, I, I don't even want to get into it. It's just too, it's too convoluted. So the best thing to do is just kind of create <laughs> a very vague recollection of the best parts of that show and move on from it. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm not going to delve into that in any more detail than we already have. I mean, I will agree that like it is, it seems very unlikely it would be like flipping a switch when you have spent your entire life channeling those urges by killing people who quote unquote deserve it to be able to then just one day decide you're going to stop. And this also kind of in a way, I mean, this is kind of jumping ahead in the summary, but it almost is sad <laughs> to have him kind of revert to his old ways so quickly in this episode, because we don't get to see him like really weigh out this new version of Dexter that we see, because the show is trying so hard, at least for the first few minutes to show how reformed he is. You know, you're explicitly seeing that he won't kill the stag you're explicitly seeing that, um, you know, he's it, like now cultivating, he's raising animals, he's growing crops. It's like all these like kind of metaphors for like cultivating something rather than killing it. So it's like the exact opposite in a lot of ways of some of the symbolism of that um, earlier show. But at the same time, I think to myself, as I'm watching all of this, that they're supposed to be showing how, how utterly reformed he is. This is a little suspicious that this is a place where you can walk around with knives, guns, axes, and be covered in blood as it like you see people like casually gutting animals and stuff like that and you could just kind of wave to your neighbor and be like hey there neighbor <laughs> so i'm like a little suspicious dexter that this is where you end up where you could literally be caught in the woods mm -hmm. covered in blood and someone wouldn't mm -hmm. think it was out of the ordinary <laughs> a little mm -hmm. like little convenient way to kind of cover up your worst impulses mm -hmm. possibly <laughs> and then we see he sees a vision of deb he's not no longer stalked by his dad not a step up by the way you know his dad that that actor whose name i can't remember now pretty interesting especially in in this role as this kind of ghost dad uh but now he has ghost deb instead and uh not so great and why is she in a bathrobe why is she always in a bathrobe no matter where under circumstances she jumps out when she turns into a fish at one point fish deb jumps out of the water in her bathrobe like what is i did bathrobe? not pick up on that but yeah i, I don't know um I, I am not interested in deb i never needed to see deb again so <laughs> I, I just i i don't care <laughs> he and her were married for a short period of time while they were making the show. So I'm like, is this weird to suddenly have to act with your Holy cow. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. So I wonder if this is uncomfortable for them in any way, but I mean, I don't know, maybe, you know, they might've had a, a, a good split. So it might not be. Wow. Weird. I totally forgot about that. And I think they were still acting together when the show was on the air after their divorce. So I guess that would have been even worse than now. Right. So I guess yeah. it's probably, I'm probably overthinking it. Hmm. What else did I have as far as weird little asides? Um, His hair. Oh my God, his hair. Well, he's bangs. Like, what? what is up with this? <laughs> what happened to uh, this? It might just be hat hair. So you know, like everybody does have hat hair up there. Oh, that's the other thing I wanted to bring up. Every single synopsis, I literally don't know where this came from. Maybe they explicitly say it in the finale of the original recipe, Dexter. Everybody talked about how he had disappeared to Oregon. They're saying he's in Oregon. He's in Oregon. He's in Oregon. And I was pretty sure that he was in the Pacific Northwest as well. And as every single recap I saw says he ends up in Oregon, but he's not in Oregon. He's in New York now. So how did this happen? <laughs> I guess I we'll, we'll no, find out maybe. Yeah, uh, it's very annoying. Yeah, no explanation, but I guess maybe they'll explain 
And that's the other thing too, is I think he's been gone for more than 10 years, but he says he's been here in this upstate New York area for about 10 years. And then he also says to somebody he hasn't, he says to Deb, I guess, uh, to ghost Deb, that he hasn't killed in 10 years or almost 10 years. The question is, so he must, he probably killed somebody out where he was and then he migrated from there. And maybe we'll find out more. We'll see. Right. His name is Jim Lindsley, by the way. The author mm-hmm. of these books is Jeff Lindsley. So definitely a ah. call back to, to that. Interesting. Oh, and then of course it gets pulled over by Angela, Chief Bishop, and another fake out here. We're like, why is he hiding that? He's been sharpening this ax. Why, where's he taking it? Who's he going to go kill? Why is he hiding it? All of this is just foreplay, apparently. He's hooking up or dating, I guess, with Angela. And uh, they end up you know, having sex in the car. And this, this is where the bangs are most pronounced, by the way. This is when I actually wrote down that he has bangs was during the sex scene. I'm like, <laughs> mm. you have a more unattractive hairdo. Yep. <laughs> wouldn't she, wouldn't she just like put her fingers through his hair or something? Be like, let me just, let me just fix this for you. Yes. I can't I look at this. I can't it's look at kid, this. So yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, she can do better. <laughs> and I actually, my notes, I'm reading my notes here. I said, Dexter has bangs. So it is going to be mad. <laughs> I am mad and I'm, I'm mad at the that lady because like I mean I know it's so limited there like you just you know everybody and everybody knows everybody and I guess a new guy is exciting but come on you could do better maybe just like take a little drive out of town or something yeah exactly there's got to be another bar you know next time yeah <laughs> and then we see a helicopter flying in there's some rich folks who live up in the mountains which uh, you know it's not uncommon by the way as soon as I see the helicopter come in someone says oh they're flying in for the season I'm like oh yeah that's not going to come back <laughs> I'm sure we'll, we'll see what we actually already know some of these family members here, and I guess it'll get more so. And then he's uh, turns out that he's working at a, what is it like a hunting supply? Yeah, place, like a right? yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess the owner, the owner, or one of the other, I guess is the owner, or one of the other salespeople is one of our friends. I don't, I should look up this actor's name, but he's uh, also a, one of our friends from uh, Only uh, Murders in the Building just recently. Yeah, I feel like he's maybe the manager or something. Yeah, and he's talking about how his uh, boyfriend wants to name. The dog Garfield, terrible name for a dog, by the way. So he's definitely yes. right there. Oh, and then of course, while he's uh, working there, we meet Matt Caldwell, major mm-hmm. douchebag. <laughs> this guy, I, like, as soon as he, I literally, I think we were, te- we happened to end up watching this thing almost at the exact same time. Right? Yeah, I was like two or three minutes ahead of you. I think. minutes ahead, minutes of yeah. difference. And I remember as soon as this guy comes out, I texted him like, "This guy's not gonna last long. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. guy is gonna be dead by the end of the episode." Indeed, indeed yeah. he was. He's being stalked by someone. I you know it's not much of a mystery here. It turns out to be Harrison, his son right. who's been run off to Central America somewhere with Hannah and uh, now has tracked him down somehow. I guess, I hope the show will explain how he tracked him down. Like how, you know. Right. Because yeah. by the end, if I remember correctly, everybody knew. Well, I guess maybe they all think he's dead. I don't know. All right. No, let's not waste time on it. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe we can flesh that out in more detail later, because I assume there's going to be more explanation to what's happening here, because once again, going back to our text, uh, we did did all this via text already, going back to that conversation we were having, literally said, I hope they don't drag this out, because the idea that either, so that this kid could actually somehow have tracked down Dexter Morgan to here, it's like maybe he's sending postcards to you know, Hannah or something. And he uses or money cards, yeah, or money mm-hmm. or whatever, like wire transfers. Right. Exactly. And he tracks that down to this location. And then he meets this guy who, you know, he was not two years old when Dexter left. He was, you know, would recognize, he would remember his father's face. This guy who's a spitting image of his dad, who is, you know, living in this town where supposedly 
postcards or wire transfers or something are coming from. And even though all of that is happening, you know, he would be like, nope, not me. <laughs> and Harrison's yeah. like, oh, darn it. Let me get back on the bus and go back yeah. to Mm-hmm. the Dominican Republic or wherever the hell I was before. Mm-hmm. And luckily they don't try to drag that stupid plot point out. They actually, you know, he does show up at the bus stop and uh, tell him, yes, I am Dexter. And I'm going to show you the ways, the murder ways. Yes. <laughs> he might have, he's going to have a lot more than he bargained for. I think Harrison in this uh, relationship. Well, then Harrison's mom is a serial killer too, right? True. Yeah, that's right. So. That's true. So Runs the family. Yeah, he's gonna get, get poisoned or dismemberment depends yeah. on which side of the family you lean towards so yeah but i'm jumping way ahead there so yeah so we meet matt he's a jerk he has a friend of his who he hangs out with matt wants to get the biggest gun he can to show off for his uh mm-hmm. gotta get the biggest gun turns out that you know he tries to buy this gun he has a red flag raised on him dexter goes to this party where He's, he's apparently been practicing his dancing for this very day. So, you know, he's got to... The line dancing, yep. He's got to practice so that he can uh, pretend to be a good facsimile of a boyfriend at the at the dance, at the square dance that night. While he's there, we find out that there is this young bartender who's like a college-age student, I guess. And uh, the other person we see here is another young girl that um, Angela, you know, tries to help out. And I'm like, oh, this mm-hmm. girl's not going to last long. She's the sacrificial mm-hmm. lamb of the show. Although based on the... Tr- trailer for next week it looks like she's been abducted of course but at least she hasn't been murdered not yet anyway but there are Mm -hmm. a lot of missing girls in this area yes and uh which once again goes back to the idea that if dexter was still killing that maybe he would have been lured to this area because of all these girl abductions Mm. but um but now he's been there for 10 years so he's done a terrible job of keeping this serial killer under control (laughs) (laughs) so it does look like there's girls disappearing and this girl who we meet momentarily and right away you just see like you know she has like a halo over her head you're like oh boy this girl's gonna be in for it Mm -hmm. but yeah so that after that night he 24 hour hold is no longer on the gun he shows up at this party turns out that the bartender girl looks like she's hooking up with this jerk Mm mm-hmm Having very athletic sex for a very long time <laughs> during during a protracted <laughs> conversation in the bathroom is all happening like <laughs> just to irritate them or to, at least to irritate his friend Bill, uh, aka Dickface. But um, the uh, interesting thing here is that there's that whole story of that lawyer family down in South Carolina and how the son may very well be a serial killer allegedly. <laughs> just throw that out there, <laughs> and that um, he uh, you know also killed you know one of his friends' girlfriends in uh, a boating accident. Uh, so maybe Matt is an analog for that spoiled brat who may have killed a bunch of people. Uh, so that's like kind of you know they're kind of using that pull uh, ripped from the headline storyline. So then the next day you know after he gives Matt his gun, he's out in the field. He finds his um, his deer again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's communing with this beautiful white deer. And of course, Matt goes and kills him, kills the deer. Yeah, Matt's a better shot than I thought, though, because he's, you know, it's uh, maybe one foot between the, the deer and Dexter. Yeah, and he even says it. He's like, oh, man, I almost <laughs> killed you, man. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Dexter does not like this. So he knocks him out and then he's about to kill him right there, right there at that moment. And he goes, nope, I got to do this the right way. Got to follow my rules. Yep. The return of the kill room. Exactly. So he covers up the blood by diluting um, Matt's blood with uh, the deer blood and then taking uh, Matt out to his kill room. So he's like resets up the kill room in his greenhouse. Like riding a bike. Yeah. And then he's like, you know, he's back in it again. In case of emergency, break glass. He like breaks a little box with a piece of glass so he can get his slides. But then he decides he doesn't need, actually needs to keep mementos of the kills anymore. 
the slides were like a main factor in his undoing last time, right? Exactly. So, so maybe he's smart yeah, enough to get rid of that. Exactly. There is something that Matt says to him right before he kills him to try to change his mind. Well, he blames his childhood trauma that he oh, didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the affluencia thing. Think, <laughs> He's yeah. like, oh, yeah, everybody. He didn't know. have a good father figure or parental right. figures growing up and, you know, all sorts of stuff that many of us uh, can say we experienced and we did not kill anybody. And Dexter basically says like that he's like basically past the point of no return. I mean, once you're on the kill floor, there's no, they're not really going to get released. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I thought this out again. You know, I'm going to let you go. And uh, Dexter does his usual thing, stabs him in the heart and uh, dismembers him. Uh, you do. And that's it. But he leaves some blood behind. We see at the final moments after he goes and picks up Harrison at the, uh, he has to break a date with Angela, by the way, just so that he can dismember his new friend. Mm-hmm. And he does stop at the bus stop after <laughs> disposing of the body to pick up Harrison. But we do see some blood spots. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a little sloppy here. Like you said, he's a little out of practice. There are some pretty funny moments here. I like Deb jumping out of the, you know, there's a dream sequence where Deb, <laughs> she jumps out of the water like a giant fish that he's caught on the line. <laughs> <laughs> there's also uh, the fact that Deb's always wearing PJs. I thought that was entertaining. Mm-hmm. I also like the fact that Deb is like saying like, you can't tell Harrison you're her, his dad. Think of all the people you've loved that have uh, <laughs> have died. Dokes, really? Yeah, I mean, those well, are where, uh, there were, listen, there was a fondness, but I mean, I, I would hardly put them in the same category as Rita. But I do love when she pulls the bullet out of herself and she goes, me, remember this bullet, Dexter? Drama. <laughs> yeah, it's a little silly. And yeah, and that's pretty much where we set it up. I mean, the more interesting than this specific episode is the coming attractions where we see that, or do you want to take a guess? I'd rather, let me hear your guess on what you think where the direction the show might go in from here. I mean, I haven't given it too much thought but i feel like he's going to be fighting those two sides of himself of like no i really am a murderer no you're really not and what do i want to pass on to my son should i teach my son how to be a murderer i don't know maybe i shouldn't that might not be great i feel like that's what we're gonna go through how about you (laughs) yeah and i mean yes i agree that that's definitely going to be like the the (laughs) the character arc for him i totally but I think, like as far as plot goes, my guess is oh, the, like the uh, the girlfriend the investigating his murder and him trying to cover it up and all of that. Yeah, there's a little satire coming or a little humor, I guess, in the next episode. In that we see that she's like, oh, we're going to have to set up camp, you know, like our uh, right. investigation camp in the woods because you know it's close to the kill site, yeah. and we're going to do it out of your house. <laughs> right. It's like a great, thanks a lot, right? <laughs> right where you're going to find all the evidence. Terrific. Exactly. <laughs> coincidentally, coincidentally hey, all the evidence points comes back to here. So that'll be interesting. Um, we also see that the, Matt's dad, uh, who is this rich guy who like knows everybody in town and can yes. buy, pay everybody off is going to be aggressively, you know, probably like looking for the killer as well. So Dexter's going to have to kind of cover his tracks there. My guess is that the dad will find out that Dexter's a killer and will still, you know, rather than um, outing him to the cops, he's going to try to take things into his own hand, like vigilante, vigilante wise. And, uh, and I think that's going to be the, the face off between the two of them. And then of course, who is abducting and killing these girls? I think Dexter's going to be trying to capture that person. And mm-hmm. I'm sure those two storylines are going to intersect, whether it's the dad or whether it's Dick face himself. <laughs> I have a mm-hmm. few, my, I, like I texted you at the end of the last episode, my money's on Dick face. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but we will see. We will see. Right. But I don't think we've seen the last of Dick face. That's my opinion. Fair enough. All right. So 
to fill out the episode, I did want to continue our sociopath of the week <laughs> conversation. So today let's talk about, I'll talk about my experience of watching you and some realizations I had. I'm not, I didn't like it. <laughs> I'll just put that out there, but I know. <laughs> I, I'm not going to bash, but I'm not going to bash the show. I'm actually going to, I think I had some interesting feedback and uh, actually read it by Kim who had seen the show as well. And you know, I, I if I, I just really had nothing cogent to say, I probably would have just kind of said, eh, okay, not for me, but Kim actually found it entertaining my, my feedback about the show. So I figured maybe it'll be interesting to have a conversation about it. Okay. So let me start off with um, you and uh, kind of <laughs> these realizations I made while I was, I, I had a tendency to overanalyze everything <laughs> and my realizations as I'm watching the show. So um, the first realization I made was that this is the third time now, by the way, the third time where I think I probably set my expectations incorrectly because I'm, pro and I'm realizing it's probably because I'm not really a TV watcher in a way. Like mm -hmm. I was someone who never really watched TV very much. I watched movies. Like if I had time to watch something, I'd watch a movie. And then what happened was that, you know, in this like golden age of TV, you know, the Sopranos and Mad Men and Breaking Bad. And I basically became more of a TV watcher because I'm like, oh, wow, the really good writing is actually happening in TV now. Right. So it was a very a big shift. Right. So I'm not used to, you know, the, uh, this kind of uh, probably like TV type pacing. Uh -huh. So the first thing is you heard my conversation yet last week. I was thinking, oh, I'm thinking of the talented Mr. Ripley. I'm thinking of all these other things. So once again, maybe setting my expectations improperly. But I also think, and here's where it goes back to being a TV watcher. I also think it's a lot of this is the execution of the show. I can feel, and I know it was a network show before it was on Netflix. I can feel, and you can even see it in the structure of the episode where they have like these little cliffhangers like during right. commercial breaks, the right? Commercial. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yep. it was just like, so I just really felt like, you know, there was this artificial um, hook every yep. five or 10 minutes, yep. uh, which made the episodes feel so long. I And I'm going to be total transparency here on Netflix. You can watch the shows at one and a half speed. I was watching this at one and a half speed and I was at the pilot episode and I told Kim, I'm like, I think this is like an extra long episode. I think I'm in episode two and I forgot the break. And I turned on the, you know, the remote to see how far I was into it. And I was about 30 minutes into a 45 minute episode at one and a half speed. And in my mind, I'm like, this has been on for over an hour, right? <laughs> okay. So I am a TV watcher. Yeah. So that structure does not bother me, but I totally do understand what you're saying. Yeah. And so, so once again, not even to be critical of this, because once again, this is network television, right? So yeah. I'm sure if I watch, you know, I watched Lost back in the day on ABC. Right. I'm sure if I watch Lost now on Netflix yeah. that I'll see all these weird breaks in there. And it's, yeah. once again, just something I'm not acclimated to. And even with like prestige television, if you watch Breaking Bad, um, you know, on Netflix, you don't feel the commercial breaks because they don't have those type of beats in the story. They don't even care. Mm -hmm. like they don't mm -hmm. even try to structure it that way. Right. So once again, I think it's expectation and it's about yeah. the execution of the show. Yeah. Um, but here's the last thing I'm going to say, and, and this is a matter of taste, so I can't say one thing or the other. I found, I know you found the character, the lead character compelling. I found mm -hmm. him very boring and much worse. I hate to say this, and I don't want to disparage the actors because it's, once again, it's a matter of taste. I found this girl that he's obsessing, Candace, is that mm -hmm. her name? The girl he's Beck. obsessing. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, Beck, of course, Beck. Uh, Candace yeah. is a, his original mm -hmm. girlfriend. Um, right. But uh, Beck, I find her so 
not an interesting character, right? Like no, and I I think that's part of what's funny about that. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean she's beautiful. Okay, so right. there's that. But um, I think part of what's funny is like she he just has like put her on this pedestal and she's just a regular girl. I find it so interesting that he yeah he's put her on this pedestal and I honestly feel like she there's nothing interesting about her. <laughs> yeah, to be no, it's br- true. Brutally she's not even particularly like. She's not brilliant, right? Like right. they make that clear right up front. Um, yeah. Uh, and he kind of like pegs her as a poser here and there, yeah, right? Exactly. If I'm remembering correctly, this is a few years back now for me. But I feel like that is part of his like uh, psychosis or sociopathy or whatever is that he just like builds this person up to be the perfect dream person when like they clearly are just a regular person. And once again, this is me giving that maybe giving uh, over reading the story. But, you know, I always think about like how I could potentially fix this. <laughs> and by the way, when I say fix it, you know, this show is obviously very, very popular. And uh, most of the time, like when I say like, for example, I was telling somebody, this is how I would f- fix the new Halloween movies, <laughs> like my mm-hmm. version of the, the Halloween movies that would work for me. You know, my friend basically said no one would want to see that movie. And I'm like, I, and I understand this. This would not be <laughs> this probably would not be popular. right? <laughs> but at the same time, like when I watch the show, and my uh, perspective on it, that's something actually interesting to explore, right? If we explore his psychology of like, why did he pick her and everything else? I mean, at one point, the show like goes into her head, right? Like she starts narrating it, right? So now like she becomes like mm-hmm. a POV character. And I'm like, <laughs> I just just not invested enough in these characters, any of them to uh, to, to, to make this uh, commitment, right? And, yeah. uh, and then once again, going back, back to that TV watching part of it. It's very what I and maybe I'm misusing this because it's it's my own terminology, but it's very soap opera to me in the fact that there's like a, you know, and I made this comparison to, to Kim. It's like, you know, you watch like a show like Breaking Bad or even more so like Better Call Saul, which obviously are mm-hmm. very different shows. I'm not trying to say that every show should be Better Call Saul, but I feel like, you know, you spend all this time with this character, you get incredibly vested in them and then they just lie and you feel betrayed because you're so vested in it. And this mm-hmm. is like the exact opposite experience where it's like so much crazy stuff happens, but I don't really care <laughs> that any of those things happen because it just, it's just another crazy thing that'll happen 10 minutes later. Right. So it's just, mm-hmm. it becomes mm-hmm. like overwhelming things that happen, but I'm not emotionally invested in any of those things that just happen. Uh, and then it becomes repetitive because it's, 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 there's so much, right. It's like a deluge of, of more preposterous things happening. I think that is probably why there's such a big disconnect for me uh, is that, you know, having that blank, a female character is probably intentional to some extent. And then, uh, you know, but me, on the other hand, I'm like, you know, would I stalk this woman? No way. Absolutely. I'm just like, I, I literally am like sitting there projecting myself into his perspective and I'm not a big fan of his either. So, I mean, the character just doesn't work for me. But at the same time, I'm just sitting there going like, you know, by episode two, I'm like, I would, you know what? I'm going to start stalking the next girl who walks into the bookstore. <laughs> I, this one's too much work, too much work for, 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 for someone Even who's Peaches, not. Even Peaches, right? Peaches is more interesting. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. He's better off. Yeah, he, he would be better off that by Peach, the way. I, not I may, Peaches. Peach, Peach right? Right. right Sorry, Peach. it's several years ago. Peach. No, yeah. that's good that you remembered. <laughs> but I actually thought that early on when Peach shows up, I'm like, mm-hmm. is this going to become a cat and mouse game between him and Peach? Where, right. um, because they could almost be like, ooh, another sociopath, <laughs> you know, like this could mm-hmm. be interesting, but it, that, but that's not what the show is interested in, right? It's really about having this kind of almost a perverse romantic comedy. And, and that's the other thing that's interesting about it too. I could watch this show. Once again, the show that I would make that no one would watch. 
<laughs> but I could watch this show. I would be much more interested in a version of a romantic comedy where we see them as like sociopaths who are trying to ma manipulate each other. And then it becomes like a metaphor for how we kind of all are like, you know, in dating are all like kind of projecting versions of yourselves and all kind of stalking each other and everything else. Like it would become like an interesting critique of the mm -hmm, mm -hmm. culture or something. Right. Mm -hmm. But once again, I think the show is interested in that. I think the show is just trying to be very much what it is. And, uh, you know, you just spend the whole entire episode watching Beck go to like, a. Uh, uh, you know, a renaissance or whatever, like a... <laughs> yeah, that part was a little weird. Yeah. Yeah, just like, and I'm just like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care. And oh, we beat her family. Like, I don't care. I don't care about any right. of this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. I just thought it was super fun, though. I really yeah. enjoyed it. And, and uh, it. Yeah, and you asked me, like, why I actually kept watching it. So I had, uh, you know, the, the pilot was the worst for me, by the way. And then, but I was, so what I would say is the thing that kept me going, even though I really disliked the pilot strongly, I was really intrigued by the setup. I thought it was interesting. And then it always, it's almost teasing that it's going to be a show I'll be interested in. And then it, like, for example, when he has the boyfriend locked up and mm -hmm. I thought that could be interesting where he could like keep him down there for a while. And I, it's preposterous that no one ever goes down in the basement, by the way, but he could have him locked up there for a while. And then this guy is basically training him. Like, you know, let's use Dexter as an example. Uh -huh, uh -huh. This would be someone where teaching Dexter how to be uh, mm -hmm. a ladies man, right? Because he's such a sociopath that he's not, you know, I mean, like he, he doesn't have those skills, right? So it mm -hmm. would be interesting to have that dynamic. And I'm like, oh, maybe that's where the show's going, but nope, that's not where the show's going. And then we have uh, another opportunity where, you know, then we have, oh, maybe this can be a cat and mouse game between him and Peach. Nope, that's not what the show turns into. Uh, it really is about these people like potentially ending up together and I'm like, really? Like, uh, this is what it's about. And and also just all the flip-flopping on the, the casting, like she's cheating with the psych psychotherapist. Yes. No, she's not cheating with the psychotherapist, but no, she really is cheating yes, with the she psychotherapist. Is. <laughs> and that, you know, like all of that, I'm just like, whoa. Like, I, and like, once again, that would assume that I'm vested in that drama at all. And I'm not like at all. Like, so mm -hmm. I feel like the show and maybe this is the final point I'll make on it is I feel like the show is constantly focusing on the points of the plot that I'm not interested in. And I kind of like, every time I'm kind uh -huh. of like, oh, well, I'm intrigued by that. Uh -huh. Another another example of where I'm intrigued was when I stopped watching it was at the beginning of episode four, when we are suddenly in her head, she is now narrating, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, is this going to turn into like a he said, she said version of the show? Like now we're going to, you know, mm -hmm. like he is projecting his fantasy onto her. And now we're going to see, no, well, this is her version of reality. And, uh, you know, she's going to get more complexity. And they like abandoned, not only they abandoned that in that episode, they abandoned her narration halfway into the episode. I'm like, so what was that? Like, I, I don't, mm. I, yeah, it was, I was very confused by a lot of things. But did you notice her leather jacket though? Her suede jacket is really awesome. I hadn't noticed the leather jacket, but it is pretty cool. She, I mean, in general, most of the, I think her, her outfits are pretty decent. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> oh, and I wanted to pay you a compliment, by the way, Kim Please listened feel. Kim listened to the episode. She listened to the episode, last week's episode, mm -hmm. that I had mentioned that she was kind of out on the show after season two. Yes. Uh -huh. She said that hearing your description of the show in general and for the current season actually reminded her why she liked the show. And she is now 
on board. She's going to she started watching season three last night. So you your, awesome. pitch, your pitch worked for her, for sure. Right, well, I hope she doesn't have the same outcome and have with you. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure. I mean, if she made it through season one and season two, I mean, obviously she loved she loved season one to jump directly into season two. Like she binged season one and two almost back to back. So uh, obviously she had a very different uh, experience than I did, where I was like, <laughs> where I was like, um, oh my God, we're two hours into this. Wait, 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So that's where the fast forwarding started. I'm like, okay, we got to watch this at double speed. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, 